Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the 97th episode of the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. Man, 97 episodes. My name is Ryan Cabrera, and I am your co-host, and I am in studio today with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Hello, hello. Welcome. And so first and foremost, I want to start the podcast off by just wishing everybody this week a happy uh, Memorial Day. I hope that you guys had a good Memorial Day. Uh, I personally uh, appreciate the Israeli style of Memorial Day. It's very somber. Um, You know, all the television stations in Israel all just basically play a loop of all of the the faces of the the people that have died serving their country. And so uh, today we remember the fallen people who have, or the fallen soldiers uh, who have served our country and given everything. And so we appreciate them and we remember them today. Um, I would be remiss also if I did not mention uh, reviews on the podcast. Um, So ways that you guys can help us. If you're listening on SoundCloud on any device uh, or a computer, just smash the little heart the heart like right now smash the heart there's like a little heart push the heart button that's right the heart button that works it helps us out boost our our ratings for the podcast also uh reviews on itunes we got another one oh my gosh i'm so excited i don't even think pastor nick has heard this one yet right and so uh this one is from the name is larissa's aunt which i believe this is rosie so hi larissa's aunt rosie Uh, It says, Pastor Nick and Ryan, thank you for walking me through the study of Leviticus. This is the first time that I have gone this far in Torah in the book of Leviticus. I always found it difficult to understand. Thank you for helping me see the relevance of the Torah portions to my life today. Blessings. Man, that warms my heart. I like those. Do you like those? Oh, I love it. Torah is being written on minds and hearts all over the world. Well, And, you know, a couple key things. You You hear us talk about the relevance of Torah talk about, you know, how a lot of people don't like Leviticus. It is Pastor Nick's favorite book. We're still um, waiting for him to go and see uh, a therapist about that. But, you know, we, uh, we can gather some enthusiasm from him about the book of Leviticus, but uh, the rest of the Torah as well. And so we thank you so much, uh, Larissa's aunt, for, for leaving a review. You too could get a shout out for your review. All you have to do is in the iTunes app, go and find the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. Uh, it's called Discovering the Hebrew Roots of the Christian Faith, or Discovering the Hebrew Roots with Beit Tehillah. And, uh, and on there, uh, you just go and find the reviews section and leave us a review. That really helps us out. Top cities for this week, Balzac, France. Listen, United States of America, you're getting your butts with this uh, week. Oui, oui, but of course. <laughs> but of course. <laughs> the candlestick. <laughs> Um, and so this week's uh, top listening city was Balzac, France. And so we appreciate you guys who are over there, our, uh, our French listeners. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And if you guys were not here or listening or watching online uh, this past weekend, uh, we had Vince and Tracy Bardot from our Beit Tehillah, Iowa congregation visiting with us. And Vince got to share Sister a little bit. congregation, yeah, it was very good. Yeah, and so uh, we just want to give them a shout out, tell them that we love them. And thank you guys also for being faithful listeners to the podcast. And so 
Uh, on to a little bit of content here. Uh, we are studying the Torah portion this week, Bamidbar, the first chapters in the book of Numbers. This uh, Bamidbar means in the wilderness, and it can be found in the book of Numbers, chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through chapter 4 and verse 20. You know, uh, it's so relevant for today because here we have Genesis, of course, the, the great book of creation and the creator and and Adam and Eve and all these different things and uh, uh, kind of like a lineage of, of people and everything, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then, of course, we go into bondage. We go into Egyptian bondage in the book of Exodus and how God delivers us and, uh, of course, brings us out into what? The Leviticus, uh, the book of Leviticus. He brings us right into Leviticus. Why? Because you need the priesthood to get through the wilderness, you know. Uh, so I, I really enjoy that. I really enjoy that part of it, you know. Uh, and really the book of Leviticus is is also, you know, broken up into two parts. Uh, the way to God and the walk with God. And so he gives us these really incredible instructions, uh, even in regard to the priesthood and all of that. And so now we're going to be telling a, a story. The story is going to unfold as... Uh, as it does, we're going to discover some incredible things. Uh, I have a Jensen's Old Testament survey book, which is uh, pretty fascinating uh, in regards to each book of the Old Testament. And it's actually just like a breakdown or an outline of the particular book. And so I want to share with you what, what he's got here, which is very relevant for today, I feel like, especially if you're in the Hebrews of the Christian faith. Uh, so once again, uh, there's, of course, three key words found in the book of Numbers. It's service war, and wilderness. Does that sound like a Hollywood blockbuster to you? Service, war, and wilderness. Sounds like a show on AD. So, you know, we're not in the promised land, so there's your wilderness. We are at war. There's a culture war. There's a civil war. There's a moral war. <laughs> and, of course, here we have service, the word service. Um, the interesting thing is, in the beginning, we start out with 603,550 of one generation uh, in this particular book, and we end up with less people, 601,730 in the second census uh, of another generation at the end of the journey. You know, uh, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when, when I was in the, the Marine Corps reserves and I had to go to boot camp, you know, we started out with like all these candidates, you know, and here we were you know, platoon 2036 and, uh, you know, not even, uh, not even half graduated, you know? And so we started out with many ended with few, uh, it's a vetting process. Folks. It is the few and the, the proud, proud, the Marines. That's right. And, uh, and so with that, once again, we know Leviticus is broken up into two parts. Uh, this one's quite fascinating. This one's broken up into three parts and, uh, and I'm going to be repeating this every intro because you need to understand this. Uh, chapters one through nine is at Sinai. It's the preparation for the journey. Once again, it's the preparation for the journey. This takes place within a few weeks. Okay, they're at Sinai. They've been there a year. Uh, it's the preparation for the journey. It takes a few weeks to do this, okay? Uh, and that's chapters 1 through 9. Now, the second part is chapters 10 through 21. This is to Moab. So they're making their way to Moab. Remember the Moabite Ruth. They're making their way to the area or the geographical area of Moab, to Moab. And this is called the journey. Chapters 10 through 21, once again. Now this takes about 39 years, Ryan. So this is the content. This is really the, the meat of numbers here. They took 39 years to do chapters 10 through 21. Okay. 
The last part is what's critical. For those of you that are listening, hear me out on this, okay? You can take this to the bank. The last and final phase is at the gate to the land. At the gate to the land, and this is at Moab, on the, on the, on the plains of Moab, on the, on the, right there, the Jordan River, across from Jericho. At the gate to the land, this took place, Ryan, within a few months. Now, here's the chapters, chapters 22 and verse 2, all the way through chapter 36. So as you begin to unfold the story of Balaam and all these cool things, you know, uh, people ask me all the time, you know, where's this movement going? What's going on? What's happening? I'm giving you the answers to the test. Okay, and so once again, uh, at Sinai, chapters 1 through 9 is the preparation for the journey. Chapters 10 through 21 is, of course, to Moab. It is the journey. It takes a place about 39 years of time. And last but not least, at Moab, at the gate to the land, a few months. Now, we are raising up a, a strong community, the next generation. But see, what happened is this next generation really messed up. And that's what we don't want to do. They're at the gate to the land. They're about ready to go in. And two things hit them, and we're going to be discussing this. It's sexual immorality and the occult. Okay, so those are two things that we're facing within our culture today. So that's my little introduction, Ryan. We're going to get right into the book of Numbers. I'm telling you, by the time we get done with you today, you are going to be excited about the book of Numbers. And um, so I'm going to have Ryan read a Numbers chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and we're going to kick this thing off. All right, let's do it. It says here, uh, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of the congregation, on the first day of the second month in the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers with the number of their names, every male by their poles. From twenty years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel, thou and Aaron shall number them by their, fam- or by their armies. And with you there shall be a man of every tribe, Every one head of the, uh, head of the house of his fathers. So there's going to be a list of tribes, each of the tribes, and also the leaders of those tribes. And we're not going to get into that right now. And so, uh, you know, right out of the gate here. So, what day and month and year begins the book of Numbers, Ryan? Uh, that's going to be the first day of the second month in the second year. So it sounds like right after Passover in the second year. Yeah. So basically, that's what's happening right now. You know, it actually says in the Torah that. Uh, you are to wait a year before you, of course, go to work or go to war or join the army or whatever it is to enjoy your spouse. And so God just married the children of Israel. And so they're hanging out at Mount Sinai for a year, which is very, very interesting. Uh, God's, God's principles are, are kicking in full effect here. And of course, uh, the age group that was counted in the census is, of course, they were 20 years old and upward. Uh, these are these are who, who were counted in the census, okay, from 20 years old and upward okay and once again uh these are just males well in it's interesting that it's just males uh from 20 years old and up because if you were talking 603,000, i was doing the math let's say that from 20 to 50 the average one is married right and i'm gonna go ahead and say we're gonna assume that all of them are married and the only reason i'm gonna say that is because there's a possibility at this time period that some of them had multiple wives right so for the ones that weren't married they're made up for by the ones that had multiple so right there we have six hundred thousand plus another six hundred thousand just in wives that's 1.2 million oh yeah now we assume one to two kids right so let's say two kids 
on average. Yeah. Would you would you think that that's about right? I think that's about right. So that's 2.4 million total people, including women and yeah, children. Yeah, they're saying three million, but I, I can well, see. And, I could, and I'm just I giving you a million and a half easily. Well, a million and a half? Are you kidding? One point two is just but, the wives. But think about it. They did all this in 400 years. Oh yeah, no, it's it's the math is unbelievable. Well, and you know, we were also talking about the infant mortality rate at this time. Uh, last night in our, our small groups, sp- little plug for the small groups, you know, you don't get to talk about infant mortality rates, you know, just anywhere. O- only at Bait the Gila small groups on Monday nights do we get to talk about that. But they had to have a very, 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 very low infant mortality rate in order for this whole thing to make sense. Because not only are we stretching it by saying like, hey, they had to have eight kids per family. Um, it was incredible. Minimum. But on top of that, you know, you know they had to have a low with, infant With mortality God, rate. all things are possible. That's right. You know, with God, all things are possible. So let me give you the uh, the lowdown here. Of course, leaders were picked to represent each tribe. We've already established that. Uh, in order to have a movement, you have to have leadership. Okay, We're going to need strong leadership for this move back to the promised land. Uh, when it comes to the Hebrews of the Christian faith, uh, there's not a lot of good leadership. And so we have to have good leadership, uh, good morals and values and, and, and integrity. Now, here we go. The following are the 12 tribes and their numbers in the census. Here we go. The following are the 12 tribes and their numbers in the census. Uh, we find this in Numbers chapter 1, verses 5 through 46. Uh, Reuben had 46,500. Uh, Simeon had 59,300. Gad had 45,650. Uh, Judah had 74,600. Issachar had 54,400. Zebulun had 57,400. Uh, Ephraim, Ephraim had 40,500. Uh, Manasseh had 32,200. Benjamin, 35,400. Uh, the tribe of Dan, Dan the man, 62,700. And then, of course, Asher had 41,500. And Naphtali had 53,400. Once again, here are the 12 tribes. Reuben, Simeon, Gad, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Ephraim, Manasseh, Benjamin, Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. Okay, so, uh, Ryan, what tribe had the most men? So most men is going to be Judah with 74,600. You know, uh, and of course, what tribe had the least men? This is going to be Manasseh with 32,200. Now, you know, we're taking these discussions literally as we do our groups every Monday night. We're taking it literally. That's what the outline is. But it also brings up a topic for discussion. And so, you know, the question has been asked, how come Judah had the most and Manasseh had the least? I have no idea. No, but I have some thoughts. You can share your thoughts, but you know, this is where we get into discussions, which is good. Yeah. And we're going to take these thoughts with a grain of salt, right? But um, I'm looking at, you know, some of these, some of these numbers and I, you know, just off the top of my head, I'm going to give you some of my observations. So my first observation was uh, that Manasseh with the least was interesting because Ephraim and Manasseh together, if you remember back in Genesis 48, uh, uh, Israel, Jacob, uh, prophesies over Ephraim and Manasseh that they're going to be a multitude of nations. So there's this idea that's that's bestowed on Ephraim and Manasseh that they're going to be numerous, that the the the, the prophecy and the, the promise given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that their descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand in the sea, that those are going to be fulfilled through Ephraim and Manasseh, right? So that's, that's the, the passing of this is going through the generations of Ephraim. Uh, and Manasseh. And so to, to see that they're among the two, two of the three smallest um, tribes, 
I thought was very interesting because it's almost like God's giving you the precursor of like the, the what is it they call it when you're the the the, the most least likely to win, but you end up winning. What do they call that? Ah, there's a name for it. Somebody, somebody email me and tell me what that is. What do you mean, least likely? Yeah, you know, like when the underdog, that's what I'm thinking of. So those, Oh, the underdog. So we're getting like a kind of an underdog situation here. I know some of you guys are probably yelling at the, the headphones or something. Right? <laughs> no, they're not. They're enjoying the listening. Yeah, exactly. So uh, another thing is the second smallest tribe was Benjamin. But if you take the number in Benjamin and you add them to the number in Judah, it equals exactly 110,000. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know what's significant about 110,000, but it just sounded like a good round number because in the end, Judah and Benjamin end up becoming, you know, the Judean people and uh, in, in a small portion of Simeon. Um, but again, the, the predominant tribes in the Southern kingdom are Judah and Benjamin, and even Paul is a Benjamite. And so when you hear about the people of Judea and the Southern kingdom, it's Judah and Benjamin, Judah and Benjamin, Judah and Benjamin over and over. And then the rest of them are under the banner of Ephraim. So just a couple little thoughts that I had. Uh, I also, when we get to the, the section where you notice uh, what, what side of the, the tabernacle the tribes are on, which we're going to get that here in a minute, uh, I did notice that Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin are all together, and they are the three smallest tribes. And then you have Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, I believe. Yeah, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun that are together, and they're three of the largest tribes um, the only two that are not included in that are Simeon and Dan, which are, are bigger than Issachar and Zebulun. But just interesting how they, they waited out the, the space around the tabernacle, uh, not necessarily by, you know, matching up for size, but they're obviously matching up for you some know, reason. And, and this is what it's, it, it, you know, it's so funny. It's, a, it's, it's numbers game. It's a numbers are you, game. It's that a play on words. It's a numbers game. <laughs> you know, it's a numbers game, you know, and guess what? Numbers don't lie oh so once again we come up with a, a total of six hundred three thousand five hundred fifty from ages 20 and up and once again this is not counting the tribe of levi they are a separate census they are unto the lord they are his inheritance so uh this is what we have uh, once again the levites were not counted with the other tribes numbers 147 Okay, uh, now, the Levites were over the tabernacle and all the vessels, Numbers 150. So the Levites were over the tabernacle and all the vessels. What, a, what an interesting responsibility that we have in regards to that. So that is, of course, uh, chapter 1. We have this great count. We get into the, the Levites once again. Once, they, once again, they learned in the book of Leviticus how to be Levites, and now they're going to go and they're going to do their jobs. You know, come on, somebody. So let's check out uh, Leviticus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Uh, we're going to be talking about the tribal arrangement of the camp. The tribal arrangement of the camp. I even drew myself a little diagram of the tribal arrangement of the camp, just for fun. Well, you can do that. Isn't I that mean, cute? What do you think? That's very good. <laughs> we need to blow that up, though. But. <laughs> yeah, it was, I didn't have a lot of space. Why don't you read verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 in Numbers, the tribal arrangement of the camp. Here we go. All right. So, and the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. All right. So here we go. This is very exciting. You know, you can find uh, images of this online, uh, the tribal arrangements. You can find some if you go to Google and or whatever. I actually images. have one of those pictures as you, a little you can, icon. You can find that. It's easy to find. Uh, so the, the three tribes that camped on the east side of the tabernacle, the east side of the tabernacle, they, of course, were Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. 
on the east side. On the south side, we have Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. Once again, three tribes per direction. So the east side is Judah, Issachar, Zebulun. The south side is Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. Here's where it gets to be very interesting. Uh, the three tribes that camped on the west side of the tabernacle, of course, were Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. Okay, so you've got Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. Notice that they're all related. Ephraim and Manasseh were brothers. Uh, they were the sons of Joseph. And then, of course, Benjamin is the brother of Joseph. And, of course, they... Uh, Joseph and Benjamin share the same mother. Yeah, Benjamin um, would technically be their uncle. Now I'm going to show you guys something very interesting. You know, uh, even even Orthodox Jews are understanding the two houses about Ephraim and Judah because this is so important for you to understand. Uh, I found a very interesting uh, verse in the book of Hosea. So if we're camped out to the west, right, which is of course uh, west of the tabernacle, we got Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin which is all relatable. Uh, I find this to be very interesting. In, in, in uh, Hosea chapter 11, verse 10, I'm going to read this to you. It says this, They shall walk after the Lord. He shall roar like a lion. When he shall roar, then the children shall tremble from the west. Now, I don't know what the percentage is of Ephraimites in uh, North America, but that is an incredible incredible, incredible verse. Uh, there's quite a, a, a few uh, directional scriptures in the Bible that he'll call us from the north, the south, the east, and the west. But this one is particular. It's the west. And so we're camped out to the west. And of course, we know that we, uh, it says, then the children shall tremble from the west. Yeah. You know, I, I share this story and, and I think all of us have a testimony. And that's how we overcome the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. And I'm not ashamed to share this. I'm not crazy. I didn't lose my mind. But, and I'm not saying it was an audible voice, but it was a very powerful voice, you know, like I, I heard it and I stopped and I heard it again, you know, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. So I only share this with those of you that are listening. It's time to get your house in order because we have to be, be focused on, on what the father wants at this time. You know, don't be a foolish virgin. Get oil in your lamps. You're not going to be able to use somebody else's lamp. You have to have your own oil. You have to have your own Holy Spirit, Right within you to guide you and lead you, okay? Because the, the promise is he'll show you things to come. And so with Judah coming and everything, we're having an incredible result. So I thought that was an interesting verse. So you can check that out for yourself, Hosea 11.10. Uh, lastly, uh, there's, of course, uh, to the north side of the tabernacle is Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. So three groups, three tribes on each side, okay, and uh, stationed around the tabernacle, which is pretty cool. You know, that's a nice little friendly neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can always borrow milk or butter or some eggs if you need it. You know, even if you're not in that <laughs> camp, just go around to the north and get something, you know. Yeah, why not? I think that's great. Uh, in Numbers chapter 2, verse 34, this is what it says. And the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they pitched by their standards. And so they set forward everyone after their families according to the house of their fathers. So there's the standard, which is a, a banner. And we have all these banners of the tribes in our in our congregation. Oh yeah, and it's cool because if you're sitting there and you're talking about this, you can look around and you can see. Yeah, you know, we, all, all we need is Manasseh in our sanctuary. Right, we're just well, and, and it, we're going to be home free. That's right, and and so you can just imagine. Um, you know, I I took the family 
um, you know, on a little bit of vacation and we were at a, a campground or whatever, and they have these giant wooden posts with these, you know, giant signs and stuff. And so I just imagine that's what the Israelite camp looked like is these, you know, basically a standard, yeah. you know, a giant sign with a standard. And so you could probably look out into the distance and you can see, you know, where the different tribes were. But yet they're, but they're all Israel. I love that, you know? Oh yeah. It's like individuals make families, families make up Israel. Correct. You know, and, and I want to share this with all of you. The phenomenon is incredible. Um, so much to share with you, but just so little time. But I assure you, uh, I've, I've been spending a lot of good quality time with the Lord. He's been revealing a lot of cool things. And I just want to get it out to the masses because, you know, so many times we can look at the culture or the present day government or whatever it is. And, and, and it's kind of a downer, you know, and this and that. And it kind of zaps you, just just takes away all your your, your, you know, your, your creativity or your inspiration. And so I want to inspire you as you're listening to this, you know, because, you know, as we, as we begin to look at this uh, particular question, you know, or discussion, it's this, you know, so many times we want to be counted, you know, pick me, pick me, pick me, your hand goes up in the air, but can we be counted on? Can God count on us? Listen, everyone, it's not just about getting along with everyone else. It's not even just about that, but it's about what is God's heart? What does God want to do? He wants to restore and regather the whole house of Israel. You know, uh, uh, the Jewish people don't even make up 1% of the population of the world. And so we have to understand that the whole house of Israel is made up of Jews and non-Jews. And so we want to rise up to the occasion, you know. Uh, Once again, you know, there's 12 tribes. Three tribes stationed in each of the four directions around the tabernacle. Wow. All of you listening, listen, you're good enough God loves you, and he's got something special for you. If you're listening to this podcast, and you're even interested in this message whatsoever, and you love the Jewish people, you love Israel, there's just something about your life that's different. Because you talk to some people, they don't want to go to Israel. They don't care about Jewish people. But we need to find those that love Israel. Find those that love Jewish people. Because that's what's happening. You know, I don't have time to get into all of it, but I was just thinking, you know, we have like goulash at Beit Tehillah. We have so many different ethnic groups and, and, and diversity, you know, and it's the coolest thing, you know. It's like when you go into an ice cream shop and you see all these flavors. It's the coolest thing, you know. Baskin Robbins, what is it, 31 flavors? That's Beit Tehillah. I mean, you know, we just have all this diversity in, in, in everything, you know. And so I want to remind all of you as, as we begin to look at uh, one body but many members, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 18, you know, we, we have to value one another. Look at the strengths of people. Look at their good things, you know. Look at their gifts. Look at, look at what, what they're about. Don't sit there and, and look at their, you know, their faults or their, you know, whatever it is. You know, look at what they have to bring that's good, you know. And, and you know, it's even like temperaments, Ryan. You know, we, we, we see somebody that's kind of melancholy and we think, oh, look, he's depressed. No, he's melancholy. Some people are outgoing. Some people are laid back, you know. It's like if we can just embrace that and say, hey, there's nothing wrong with them. Everyone can't be like you. We can't have a bunch of popular sayings run around Ryan like you and I we would be we would just get tired and have to take a nap oh yeah but uh we need steady freddies you know and so I'm just sharing this with all of you that are listening because I'm so excited to, to hear about France and Australia and Japan that you know you're a part of this too you know we just want to do this podcast to encourage you in God's word his word will come to pass and I know you're probably intimidated maybe you're overwhelmed but I want to tell you something the Holy Spirit will show you the scriptures. The prophets have foretold this podcast, the greater Exodus. You know, Ryan, 
I don't know if I shared this or not, but I shared on The Greater Exodus. It's, it's probably up on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Check it out, The Greater Exodus. It's going to give you a really great understanding of where this movement is heading in the right direction, okay? Not in the wrong direction, but in the right direction. And I want to encourage you, you know, it's just like a map in the mall, you know, well, I'm here and I want to get over to here. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to, to let the Lord lead us. And so with The Greater Exodus, I shared this because even Passover has mentioned that they celebrated Passover. And then they were able to really go into the land and take Jericho, you know. And, of course, they had to be circumcised. I, I lay all this out in a greater exodus. And if you want the handout, just, just contact the office and uh, give us your email, and we will send you the uh, 10 steps to the promised land. Come on, somebody. 10 steps to the promised land. I want to go to the promised this land. This is it. So why am I sharing this about the greater exodus? Because God put that on my heart to share right after Passover. So God's, he, he wants us. He's doing something, okay? So here's the next thing. So Eliezer Braun comes, who's a, a Jew from Israel, formerly from Chicago. And, and of course, you know, uh, you know uh, here he is sharing uh, Romans 11, the grafting in process. He shares about a greater exodus. He actually gives us the verses in Jeremiah. Matter of fact, where is that at, Brian? It's, I think it's uh -huh. Jeremiah 16. Uh, I want to give you those verses about a greater exodus. Uh, yeah, it is. It's it's actually it's actually Jeremiah sixteen verses fourteen uh, and fifteen. Fourteen and fifteen. I'll even throw in sixteen. Jeremiah sixteen fourteen through sixteen. This is the greater exodus. Everyone, listen. So I taught on it. Eliezer didn't know what I was teaching about. Eliezer says there's going to be a greater exodus. He recognizes the fact that that Israel is even among Christianity. Come on, somebody. Come on. Now, is that incredible? Well, guess what we do? So we have a guest, a musical guest, James Block. Oh, and by the way, you've got to check out his, his ministry time, his worship time, because he was proclaiming God's word. James Block comes and says, Ryan, there's a greater exodus happening. That's three, which is divine of the Lord. You need two or three witnesses to establish a matter. Now, these are three different people sharing a greater exodus. I want you to think about that. A greater exodus. Now, I'm so excited about that because God's wanting to count on you. Who's going to love the Jewish people? You know, when it, when it references the grafting in, it even references the fact that, you know, we are to show mercy uh, to the Jewish people. So there you have it, Ryan. Uh, one body, but many members. So uh, do you have any thoughts on that as we get ready to go into chapter three? Well, I mean, the, the greater are set apart. The greater exodus is, is cool because, you know, when, when they left Egypt and they were doing the exodus, they were leaving the old and they were headed to the promise of God. And I think that it's important that all of us are making our way away from Egypt because we all have an Egypt that's in the past. It's the worldly system. It's he, right. He loves the world. He gave his only begotten son, but he doesn't like the system. No, no, not, I would say... It's the uh, Greek word cosmos, but he doesn't like the system of the world, but he does love the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Correct. And, and really, when he says he loves the world, that means he loves you. Um, you know, he gave his son for you. And that's that's an important thing to remember when you're, you know, kind of taking all of this into account. Um, and to the point that you're making about, um, you know, everybody wants to be counted, but can you be counted on? Uh, really, you know, I think a lot of people can can twist that into one way or the other. The, the question is, can God count on you? Absolutely. Um, it's about God counting on you. Right. Because you can you can have people over you or whatever that that you submit to, but really the things that you do, you do them as if unto the Lord. And so when you are, uh, 
being a, a good steward of the resources that God has given you because he has already counted you. Let me just assure you, God has counted you. Now the you question are worthy. Right. Now the question is, can you be counted on? And hopefully the answer that everybody thinks in their head is yes. You know, hopefully you're not down and out on yourself thinking, oh no, I'm a I'm a schlep or whatever. Uh, but the bottom line is we all need to be introspective about that. Can we be counted on? You know, we want to have the character traits that Yeshua has that we can be counted on to do whatever God has called us to do. Jesus was faithful unto death. He went all the way to the cross. He said, I want to be counted and I can be counted on. And the question is, do we want to be counted? Which I think the answer is everybody listening to this is yes. The next question is, can you be counted on? And I think everybody has to ask themselves that question. You know, and for the sake of time, we're not going to read anything in, in, in Numbers chapter 3. But but the caption is, of course, we're moving on here. So check this out. Everybody's important. You know, Ryan and Ashley head up the greeters ministry. It's so important. The greeters ministry is so important. They've actually... Uh, noted this or documented this this is the research the first seven minutes on the church property is a lasting impression the first seven minutes that somebody is on the property or going into an establishment is a lasting impression how important is that ryan just to put a little pressure on you and ashley um so the levites are set apart so now we got these tribes and uh yeah we got these tribes and so what because everybody's important everybody's important you know uh, so Aaron's four sons were Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar, Numbers 3-2. So we are in chapter 3 now. And uh, so what happens is we're listing now these, these, these sons. Of course, Nadab and Abihu died because they offered strange fire to the Lord. Uh, Numbers 3-4, this is documented. So they did not follow protocol. Uh, you can find this in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. What happens to Nadab and Abihu? Just want to give you two little insights, two little uh, literal uh, interpretations of God's word. Take it literally. Uh, to offer up strange fire means the fire did not come from the altar. It came from another source. Now, the altar is the most important piece of furniture in the tabernacle, right? Uh, it's made out of brass, which means judgment. So we need an altar. We need to grab the horns of the altar, okay? And so what happens is Yeshua is our sacrifice. And we have to ask ourselves a question. Where is your sacrifice? Now, getting back to this priesthood. So basically they offered up strange fire. God took their breath. They collapsed. He took their life. And of course, it even mentions in there, do not drink alcohol when entering the tabernacle. So apparently they had a few drinks and they offered up strange fire. Take it literally. So many times we try to just try to find something in there and dig something up, but take the scriptures literally. And that's what this podcast is really about as well. We want to take the scriptures literally in the Torah portions, literally. Uh, and so once again, uh, you can check this out. Uh, the Levites belong to the Lord, uh, Numbers 3.12. And uh, I don't have time to go into it, but he's not real happy with the priesthood in regards to the priest uh, in, in mentioned in Malachi chapter 2, verses 4 through 9, he, he, he drops down the hammer and says, you won't be respected because you're not keeping the Torah, you're not teaching it right, you're not doing it right, you're poor examples. And I'm only paraphrasing what this reference is uh, in Malachi chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. And even today, the clergy has a bad reputation with the televangelists and all these planes and homes and, 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 and name it and claim it and, and prosperity, you know, um, we're in trouble. Uh, but the Bible does say, you know, and even in Jeremiah, I don't have the reference, but he's going to raise up shepherds after his own heart. 
So once again, if the Levites belong to the Lord and that is their inheritance, uh, just a reminder that the firstborn of every man and beast belong to the Lord. The firstborn of every man and beast belong to the Lord. As we begin to look at the Levites now, we're going to count them separately. Uh, the age limit when numbering the Levites was from a month old and upward. So Which, a month old and upward. And... Not 20 and up. Right. So instead of 20 to 50, they're going from a month old and up. And so the question was brought up, but why a month? You know, why not from birth? And I said, you know, infant mortality, that whole idea again. Could could be, could be, you know. And, and so once again, you know, we're, we're seeing that uh, the age limit was a month old and upward, and which is very important. And this is all and, Levites, not just the priests, right? So we're going to get yeah. into that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the three sons of Levi now, the three sons of Levi were Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, okay? And, and so basically, uh, they're going to be given responsibilities based upon this family, you know, uh, just like uh, even now, uh, we can see the, uh, the the Colbos, the Plumbers, and the Messers. Uh, these these particular three families uh, or individuals basically, um, you know, are, are important for the for the for the steadfastness of of the vision to move forward with Beit Tehila, You know, as families together, uh, and we can see this played out even in this particular Torah portion. So Gershon, Koath, and Merari. Now, uh, once again, this priesthood is given responsibilities. It's not just uh, the sacrifices or even uh, singing, playing instruments. We'll see later on in the temple. There was a priesthood that was a part of that. Uh, different divisions, but. Here we have the responsibilities. Let's look at the Gershonites, uh, the son Gershon. Uh, they were camped westward, Ryan, and responsible for the tent of the tabernacle, covering of the tabernacle, hanging for the door of the tabernacle, hanging of the court, the curtains and the cords. Now, why am I bringing this up? This is fascinating, Ryan, because we love the arts. And of course, to the west was Gershon, the Gershonites, in charge of all the tapestry. And we have tapestries all we over the place. We have tapestries all. It's funny. Ephraim and Manasseh and Benjamin were camped around with the Gershonites, the son of Gershon, westward. So we love tapestries. We love curtains. We love banners. We love the, the fabric just hanging on the wall and stuff. And, and the, the Lord brought that to my attention one time. Uh, we even had like uh, people made like uh, window treatments. Homemade window treatments to oh, cover yeah. up the windows, and even the little the little window in the door as you open it. There was like a little curtain on it, a tapestry. Yeah, and I thought, man, this stuff is real. We 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 we're drawn to tapestry and fabric. Uh, something to think about. Moving on here, the Kohathites were camped southward, and they were responsible for all of the furniture in the tabernacle, all six pieces. The Kohathites, which is the son. Uh, Kohath of, of Levi. Last but not least, the Merarites, uh, Merari, uh, were camped northward. They were responsible for all the boards, bars, pillars, sockets, vessels, pins, and their cords. So we could call them a modern day Lowe's uh, or, uh, you know, Home Depot. I mean, think about it. The boards, the bars, the pillars, the sockets, the vessels, the pins, and their cords. So there's the uh, Gershonites, Kohathites, and the Merarites. And Aaron and his sons located around the tabernacle. East. Uh, eastward they were located, okay? So they were on the east side. Once there's only one way out. There's only one way to the Father, and that is through Yeshua. So once again, it is from the east. Moving on here in chapter 3 of Numbers, we have 22,000 men from the tribe of Levi were numbered from a month old and upward. So right? check that out. So this 20, is a 000. month old and up. And there's only 22,000. Why don't you go ahead and share the rest of that information? We'll discuss it. I'll bring out some, some points that, that need to be made because, once again, we're taking the scriptures literally. What's the principle? 
what are we looking at here? So, so the, the men of the tribe of Levi is 22,000 men. And again, that's from a month old and upward. And so then they go and they count the firstborn males from a month old and upward from all the 12 tribes. It comes out to 22,273. And so there's a difference of 273 uh, from the firstborn males to the Levites. And so they have to, um, the Lord calls them to redeem this 273 at five shekels apiece, which comes out to 1,365 shekels. Uh, but I found it very interesting. Levi is by far the smallest tribe, according to these numbers, and even smaller, in fact, because they're counting from a month old and upward, whereas the rest of the tribes are only counting from 20 years and up. Uh, and so they're, they're, you know, there's an age range that they're counting way more on the Levites, but yet way less. See, I want to point out a principle. You know, it's not about the 273 at five shekels, which comes up to 1,365 shekels of redemption price. This is what it's about, Ryan. If you're a firstborn and you're listening to this podcast, listen closely. It's just like with the priesthood. They have a special calling. They have a special purpose, okay? But they're pulling out the firstborns among all the tribes. And what do you think the responsibility is? To carry on the family name, to carry that standard with integrity, to teach the, 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 the siblings that are under you the things of God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it doesn't mean that the first born has a hierarchy or, or more prominence, he has a divine order of responsibility. And I don't have time to get into it, but in many cases, God would drop it down to the youngest. You know, King David was the youngest of Jesse's children. You know, he used King David. Uh, Moses was the youngest among Miriam, Aaron, and then himself. That was the birth order. God used Moses, okay? But what I'm saying is that when you have a firstborn in a family that has morals and values and integrity, you're going to have a good family because that's the example to the other siblings. You notice that. Uh, I noticed that uh, my wife's a firstborn. I'm a firstborn. My son Josiah is a firstborn. You know, we're not perfect, but we have responsibilities. I do, Pastor Tikva is a firstborn. Um, so what I'm trying to say is that it's just about divine order. It's not about hierarchy. It's not about the pecking order in that regard. But we all have a responsibility. And, and I'm telling you this because it's, it's, it's easy to fall into the trap don't have time to get into it, but there is the law of the firstborn. You can check this out in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. You can also find this in Exodus chapter 11, verses 5 and 12. You can also find this in Exodus chapter 12, uh, verses 12 and 29, and especially in uh, chapter 13, verse 2, 13 and 15. Why am I giving you these references in Exodus? You can once again go back and read it. Why could God take the firstborn and the tenth plague? Because they belong to him, Ryan. That's right. Even the firstborn of beasts belong to him. So I want to bring this out to, to those of you that are listening. Man, if you're a firstborn, man, you you got you gotta put your big boy pants on. You gotta you gotta you gotta just put your big boy pants on and you gotta do this thing. You are good enough. God loves you, and you're going to be an example to all the other siblings if you have other uh, siblings as well. So once again, we're looking at the principle. We have a priesthood that's counted. We have the firstborn that are counted among the tribes. There's a difference of 273. They take that redemption price, and of course, they're going to apply it to the tabernacle or, or for the use of the tabernacle or whatever. But that's what that's all about. So there's no misunderstanding. Everyone needs to understand the principle of divine order. And that's what's happening in this particular example. But you can dig deeper too. You can actually go and study for yourself. Uh, this is where the homage comes in handy or some commentary as well to, to establish this and look at it. Because like I said, uh, Judah has been studying the Torah for a long, long time. Oh yeah, for sure.
So let's get into chapter four. Uh, these are the further duties of the Levites. Uh, Numbers chapter four, we have verses one through 16. Uh, oh, and by the way, if you're still listening, I only need two people to be excited. Woo-hoo. I'm counting Ryan and I. Here we go. Ryan's going to read chapter four, verses one through three, and we're going to we're going to talk about the further duties of the Levites as well. That's right. It says, "And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Take the sum of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi, after their families, by the house of their fathers, from thirty years old and upward." Even until 50 years old, all that enter into the host to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation. So after, of course, we have been studying the Torah since 1999. It's Mm -hmm. been 20 years, Ryan. Uh, Learned a lot. uh, Learned some really cool things. I want to share with all of you that are listening. Uh, That's the beauty of experience. You know, Uh, you get the benefits of people that have been in this movement for a, a period of time. Uh, great people that have been even longer than myself. So I want to share something with all of you that's very interesting. So from the year uh, 30 years old to 50, um, they would do the work of the tabernacle of the congregation. They'd be active duty Levites, okay, from the time they were 30 to 50. Uh, Here's some references that's kind of interesting how they drop the age. They're going to drop the age down because I believe that there was a real need for priests. Even now, we need more pastors. You know, they say they're dropping like flies. The numbers are not good for pastors. So many are quitting every month. But we really need shepherds after God's own heart right now. We need shepherds. Matter of fact, thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeshua looked out over the people and he said, I feel sorry for them. For they have no shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. They have no shepherd. Uh, in Numbers chapter 8, verses 24 and 25, we have the age, of course, 25 to 50. That was the age that was mentioned in, in Numbers. Uh, you're going to see that as, as it comes up later. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, but if you move to First Chronicles chapter 23, verse 24, they drop the age to 20, Ryan. It's 20 to 50. It's kind of interesting how even at Beit Tehillah, you know, we were saying, well, you have to be 18 to do this or 16 or a teenager. It's funny how we've dropped the age down to 12 for like media team, cameras, childcare. You know, we need some people that are at least 12 and up to help. And I think that's interesting. We, we don't have to wait until they're older. We need to get them involved now. Right. If they can do it. I, I would even say uh, in the future, here, we'll look at some 10 year olds that are mature or whatever that could actually do the work. But it's the same principle here at Beit Tehillah, you know. Uh, we're dropping the age to like 12 yeah. instead of 18 because there's such a need, yeah. you know. And a 12-year-old can do a lot in the nursery and help out with child care and stuff as well because, uh, once again, uh, matter of fact, last night in our Bible study, Ryan, I guess we had like 59 uh, people in the Bible study. And I'm just doing the demographics, even our guests and things. And, and 19 were youth wow. and children. Yeah. Ryan, that's that's almost half. That's nineteen. I mean, it's not almost 59. half. It's, it's like a quarter, a, a third, a third. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I'm saying, it's moving towards oh yeah the halfway mark, and so you know, uh, you know, it's it, it's funny to to look at that. Um, so, any, any thoughts on that, Ryan? As we move forward. Well, I mean, even my son Christian, um, who does the envelopes, I mean, he's nine. Oh, right? he's, been, he's been doing it for a couple of years. And he's been doing it since he was like six. I mean, for like I'm telling you, yeah. So it's it's. Um, you know, and, and I, we were talking about, you know, just the amount of work that these guys are doing. I think in the beginning, uh, the work was light. And what do they say? Many hands make light work. I've heard of that. Yeah, I have heard that. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking about this. And, you know, you as a Levite, uh, you might have been assigned to like a socket. Like, hey, man, this is your socket. 
when we move, because they move 42 times. That's a good point. Yeah. In 40 Delegation. years. Right. Break that, it up even more. That like, hey, this is your board. All right. That's your buddy. His board goes in your socket. And so you just got to get together with your buddy and they just pick it up and they move it. Oh, it was precision. And so you just had to know yeah. that like every single piece that had to be moved, every single thing that had to be done had somebody assigned to it. And so later on, when you start talking about the temple and the amount of volume, part of the reason that they're lowering the age, because at this point you would think they had more than enough people. Well, later on, they're lowering the age because you've got, think about Passover time. You know I mean? It might've been a seasonal gig. Oh, they all had to got, show up for duty on that. Yeah. You got 24 like courses. For two weeks, the three national feast days. Oh yeah. They had to show up, everybody. But think about it. You know, think about that, you know, in, you're in the back, the back office over there at the, at temple headquarters, you know, and you got the schedule on the wall. It's like, all right, you're on, you're on uh, altar seven it's from like, uh, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. John the Baptist's father was doing the incense. Right. At that time. Right. Yeah. And, but you got to think that the, this is not the only person who's doing the sacrifices. You know, you've got to have extra altars set up for Passover because you've got millions of people going through there. Uh, and all of them, you know, all those families need, uh, need a lamb. And there's protocol for everything that's entailed. There's protocol. You know, this pattern was shown Moses to build the tabernacle from heaven. And actually, you could see all the pieces of the furniture in heaven, uh, except for the laver and the uh, table of showbread, from my understanding. But the other four pieces you can actually find in the book of Revelation. John physically saw those in heaven. So that is the coolest thing, uh, you know, on earth as it is in heaven, in heaven as it is on earth. Um, so as we move on here, uh, we're going to have some uh, cloth that's going to cover up everything. Uh, as far as the, uh, the blue cloth was used to cover the ark, table of showbread, the menorah, and the golden altar. What do those items have in common? Well, they're all gold. They are all gold. And they're covered with a blue cloth, which means heavenly or the Holy Spirit. Well, and they're the all blue. They're all covered in gold, right? But then they cover them in badger skin before they cover them in blue. That's interesting. Yeah, they, they had to be covered in that. So it was a blue cloth. Right. And of course, like we just give you the, the uh, meanings of numbers. Uh, blue is heavenly or Holy Spirit. So once again, the uh, colored cloth was blue to cover the ark, table of showbread, menorah, and the golden altar. Uh, moving on here. Uh, it's interesting that a second cloth uh, went over the dishes, spoons, bowls. It was, of course, red or scarlet, which uh, that went over the dishes, spoons, bowls, and covers located on top of the table of showbread is red. A red cloth, blood atonement is the meaning. Uh, you know, the table of showbread is symbolic of the 12 tribes, the 12 loaves. Uh, each Shabbat, the loaves are changed out. So I can see a little bit of atonement there as well on, on that table there for all of us that have it. Absolutely. Uh, last but not least, um, the uh, the cloth that covered the altar in Numbers 4.13 was purple. And this is the brazen altar, obviously. Absolutely. And yep. it's, it's it means royalty or kingship. So what color was the robe that Yeshua wore when they gambled it away? They cast lots for it. It was a seamless purple robe from my understanding. Yep. Um so once again, purple means royalty or kingship. You know, I love purple. I, I really love blue. I think blue is my favorite color, but I'm really drawn to purple too. I like a good purple shirt, dress shirt or something. Oh. Uh, but I think blue is my favorite. Interesting. Which is probably mostly used in the tabernacle. But blue is was one of my favorites. Uh, like a light blue, you know, uh, like a, even an Israeli blue is kind of nice. But uh, I like the little lighter blues myself. So... Um, you know, when uh, we've had a guest named Reuven Prager come, he uh, is... Uh, what and he'll he, be coming in August. Ooh, coming again in August. So he uh, he does uh, biblical garments and things like that, but he brings with him actual, you know, wool that's been dyed with these dyes. So for the blue, the scarlet, and the purple. And I got to be honest with you. I mean, maybe the scarlet, you can kind of tell the difference, but sometimes that blue and that purple, 
uh, you know, it, it, it's not so easy or to dark tell. Dark blue and dark black. Sorry, if you're colorblind, oh, it's yeah. over. Oh, and that's all. I'm just about to get to that. Because you got to put it in the light. You know, I, I found, I, I pu- pulled out a blue pair of socks on, on Saturday for the service. And I'm like, I, I put them in the light. Oh man, these are blue. Oh yeah. Cause you'll notice once you put them on and pull your pants up and the light shines on. Ooh. <laughs> a, I've had to go back inside and change my socks it's before. It's the contrast. I would have just said, forget it. I'm wearing blue. I mean, look, I, I got, need to separate blue from black. I got like, Just go to another blue. drawer. Yeah. Cause the blue and black socks are like, I think they're fighting in the middle of the night or something. Um, <laughs> so here, here's some protocol. You think God means business about his furniture? You want you just want to just drag something across the floor or just throw something together? No. What would happen to the sons of Kohath if they touched the vessels after covering them, Ryan? Numbers four fifteen. Uh, they would die. They would die. Yeah, no, it's pretty so serious. Stuff. Uh, you talk about a shipping company, buddy. You do not. You know what is it? Two guys in a truck, moving business. Yeah. Um, if you messed up, they would die. So you cannot do that. Uh, it's it's like it's like protocol because everything had to be set up, everything had to be torn down. Set up, torn down. And and it was brought up last night that they camped out at 42 different places. Okay. So let's move on here. Uh, last but not least, uh, numbers 416, uh, as far as the subject matter goes here, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss a little more because we have time. Um, the five-fold work of the high priest was the oil for the light. Number two, sweet incense. Number three, daily meat or grain offering. And of course, the anointing oil is number four, and number five, oversight of all the tabernacles. So this is the work of the high priest. Number one, the oil for the light. Number two, sweet incense. Number three, daily meat or grain offering. Uh, number four, the anointing oil, and number five, oversight of all the tabernacles. So, so we once- had a good discussion in my group about this, and so I actually have uh, some quick thoughts on this. Um, Casey Anderson, uh, one of our our young adults uh, was in our group, and she had some some good things to say. Uh, I, these are not necessarily her her comparison. She had some different different ideas, but uh, she inspired me to go back through and look at these and kind of compare them to a couple of different things. But the first thing was, you know, the light for the oil, right? If we're called to be a, a you know a, a holy, holy nation, a, a holy nation, a priesthood, um, then the oil for the light would be the Holy Spirit um, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. The sweet incense would be prayers. Um, you know, if we're priests and these are our duties, right? Are we praying? Are we filled with the Holy Spirit and are we praying? Uh, the daily grain offering is the acts of service because the grain offerings actually had to be prepared ahead of time uh, into, you know, cakes or loaves or flatbreads or, or you know, matzah, whatever the, the, the offering was called for. You had to take the grain, grind it. I mean, this was a process. It wasn't just something that they could just do like we do, right? We just go pick it up from, you know, the grocery store. And so this is acts of service. Uh, the anointing oil is the gifts and calling of God. Uh, and the oversight of the tabernacle is the mantle and uh, of authority and leadership. And so I looked at this, and if we're called to be priests, we're called into leadership, I would say that you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit, praying, acts of service, gifts and calling, and the, the mantle of, of authority and leadership are important. But it also brought me uh, to think about the fivefold ministry. And so I just want to read a couple verses out of Ephesians chapter 4 to you guys. And uh, starting in verse 7, it says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And so verse 7 is important because uh, every one of us is called by God. Every one of us is also equipped by God, right? Because he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. So once he calls you, he equips you. 
Uh, and then you jump down to verse 11, uh, and it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ." that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so you, you'll hear us say all the time, right? Many members, one body. Uh, right. and, and this is where we get it from. This is Paul talking about the body of Christ, that everybody has been given a measure of grace by the Lord himself in order to, to fulfill the duties that God has called you to do. Absolutely, you know, and of course the the priesthood de- had de- had delegated responsibilities. That's right. Uh, in all of their service, and so the concept of delegation is important to the community. You know, we have quite a few ministries here. We have the ministry of, uh, you know, um, greeters. We have uh, music ministry. We have uh, media ministry, children's ministry, nursery ministry. You know, these are all the prayer ministry, and uh, everybody's important. Everybody's equally important. You know, even. Uh, building maintenance ministry, you know, something breaks down or toilets leaking, you know, we, we have a lot of, uh, opportunities for people to have, uh, delegated responsibilities here. You would, you'd be amazed at how many people it takes to do a service here at Bay Tehillah because we want to get everybody plugged in and involved. So think about that. Uh, actually going back to, to that delegation is important. You know, uh, many hands make light work. We talked about that, but, uh, in conclusion here, appreciate all of you listening. We're closing on an hour here, but we, uh, we ask this question every Monday night in regards to the Torah portions. Uh, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion? Bamidabar uh, in the wilderness. Uh, Numbers chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 4 and verse 20 uh, from a consensus of the group. And so we heard a lot of good uh, uh, answers uh, in regards to this last night. I'd like to give you uh, two that I actually see in here. Uh, number one, everybody wants to be counted, but can you be counted upon? You know, that's why everybody's important. So once again, everybody wants to be counted, but can you be counted upon? Can your church count on you? Uh, can your family count on you? Or can you be counted upon? Are you a man or a woman of your word? You know, can God count on us to love the Jewish people and give them a platform, give them a voice, let them know that we're here for them? That's number one. Uh, number two is uh, the power of delegation. Once again, it kind of goes hand in hand. Um Everybody can run in their lane, have their creativity, and run their ministry efficiently in their own style, but it needs to get done. So once again, the power of delegation. You know, so if you're listening to this podcast and you're just running around by yourself, is that biblical? Now, maybe you're in a situation where you don't have anybody else. I can understand that. But you need to get connected to the body of Christ. You need to be connected with a group of people that you can do something together. You know, uh, Beit Hila is reaching the world. We have so many people here that are really helping. And of course, we need more help. We've got some areas of need. But I will say this, though, man, everyone's jumping in there and participating. And it's a beautiful thing to see the body of Christ. And now Judah's coming and we're embracing them. 
They're part of the mishpachah. They're part of the family and part of the plan too. So think about it, everybody. You got to love people, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's like this joke, you know, I, I hear, you know, said different versions, different ways, whether it's for a pastor or a rabbi, you know. So the rabbi's in bed, you know, and he tells his wife, you know, I'm not going into work today, you know, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and, and this and that. And the people are mean and this and that, you know, and once again, you know, the, the joke is, and you've heard it before, I'm sure, but you have to go, you're the rabbi, you're the pastor. So you have to love people to do this Torah portion. To, to fulfill what God wants. That's right. You know, we're, we're like reliving the book of Acts part two, Ryan, at Beit Healy. You know we are. Oh, yeah. We're actually heading into a new chapter here, which is incredible. But, you know, go back and look where, where Philip had to go here or there. Or someone was told to go and pray for Paul, and they didn't really want to. And all these different things, you know, go here, go there, do this, do that. Peter was sent to Cornelius' house. You know, so so where are you sending yourself? Where's God telling you to go? I think God is telling us to go to the house of Israel. Ooh, I agree. I agree. Our group had some some great insights. The one that I want to share with you guys was actually from uh, one of our, our very young folks, uh, Kenzie Anderson, which is Casey's little sister. Uh, we like to keep the families together. That's right. It runs in the family. It does. And, uh, and it says here, God has special places and responsibilities for the tribes, just like us today. And so God has you where he wants you. He's planted you there for a reason, and he wants you to get to work on what he's called you to do. And so that was the insight from Kenzie. I thought that was very profound, especially coming from a, a young lady uh, such as herself. Um, and so we are going to move right into, as we're finishing up here, the counting of the Omer. That's right, folks. We are still counting up to 50 in our blessed hope, all the way up to Shavuot, to the giving of the Torah and to the giving of the Spirit, Spirit and Truth on the same day, which is day 50. Today is 38 days which is five weeks and three days of the counting of the Omer. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitchenu B'Mitzvotav V'Tivanu Al Sifarat HaOmer Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, whose commandments add holiness to our lives and gives us the command to count the Omer which can be found in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 Yeah, and he's 16. definitely commanded that. He has. And so, guys, we are over an hour. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love you. We thank you so much for joining us today. Hopefully it was worth uh, all of that time that you spent with us today. Uh, don't forget to review and heart the podcast. Whatever you can do on the platform you're listening to helps us out. And uh, also, folks... Uh, don't forget to go online and donate. There is a donate button on our website. And so we appreciate you. If you can put in the memo field there, podcast or something of the like that would let us know that you are a listener of the podcast and not necessarily a local member so that we can keep track of that and say thank you to you in the proper way. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, it's ryan at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net. You can call the office at 813-654-2222. And don't forget to live stream our services online if you can't be here in person at topraise.net, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or any of our social media platforms uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Shabbat, every Saturday, every week, week in and week out. God bless you guys. Have a great week.